Welcome to episode two of my Essential Skills for Training podcast series. Today's episode is with Dalarina De Silva. Dal, who is a very dear friend, is also a registered holistic nutritionist and personal trainer here in Vancouver, Canada. She was born in India and moved to Vancouver in 2005. She is a dancer in the world's biggest Bollywood dance academy. She is a wife, a mama to two little humans, and like I said, a very dear friend that I've known for years. In this second episode of the series, Dal and I take our backroom chats from our Lululemon days and bring you a real, raw and honest conversation. We talk about her why, her essential skills for her training practice, her relationship to her body after having her first child. We talk about food, confidence, creativity, how your body speaks to you, and so much more. This is truly one of my favorite conversations that I've had on the podcast. She is a gem of a human who I could talk with for hours. I hope you enjoy this episode and you can connect with Dalarina by following her on Instagram under at Simply Nourished. Okay, enjoy the second episode for my Essential Skills for Training podcast series. This is the Off Kilter Podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Bo. Okay, we're going to do this. My guest today is a registered holistic nutritionist and personal trainer in Vancouver, Canada. She is born in India and moved to Vancouver in 2005. She's a dancer in the world's biggest Bollywood dance academy, a wife, a mama to two little humans, and a dear friend of mine. Dalarina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy, for having me uh, do your podcast. This is so much of a privilege to be in conversation with you because I've always looked up to you and I just enjoy being uh, in any sort of conversation. You seem to be able to talk about anything (laughs) and get me to listen, nevertheless learn so much from you. So I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to having you a part of this series, this Essential Skills for Training series. And the intent behind it was to bring women together who uh, train, who are coaches, who are athletes, who are advanced in their practice, uh, and have a conversation about how to train. Uh, and I want this series to be for women who train or maybe thinking about getting into a practice, uh, but aren't sure how to actually do that and how to move their body. So yeah, today we're going to talk about your training practice. Uh, So I'm really excited. Uh, And where I love to start is a little bit about your story. Mm -hmm. And we'll keep it 
to your like training story, your movement story. And you can start wherever you want. You can start as far back as you want. Uh, and I'd love just to hear a little bit about how you developed a connection to movement and training. Um, so my movement practice or training sort of, I, I feel like it's the best to like break it down into these milestones where I remember like things really shifting and changing for me. So I've been a dancer for almost like more than 15, 18 years. Still do it, still love it. It's still like what fuels me to keep going. Um, but the focus when I was in my 20s and getting into dance and I actually chose like more of a dance creative career over an academic career where I was doing my master's in biochemistry back in the day. And I chose to go with this more creative sort of expressive, you know, career path. And at the time it was more about like, so the company that I'm a part of, they really were like pioneers in terms of, you know, what women can do and how we can stand out and be really proud in our bodies and our abilities to be on stage and showcase this like dance talent, which wasn't very, um, like not really looked up at, at for women back in India. So it was really like groundbreaking. And so obviously piqued my like curiosity and like just, completely took me in and I would like look at these women being like in their peak shape so much energy so confident so proud on stage that I just wanted to like dip myself into all of it so that is pretty much where I started off but as a dancer I think the focus was so much about having a lean body like that is all that you know as long as you had the horsepower to like keep going for like a 20 20 hour rehearsal and like sleep for four hours and then show show back you know for rehearsals and have that lean body structure no matter how you got there I think that was a lot of the focus and at the time I didn't know any better right you do what you need to you eat how you need to you train how you need to and luckily your body goes goes with it because you're in your 20s yeah you know so <laughs> So that's pretty much what my idea about it was like as long as I'm thin and slim and you know I eat accordingly to stay and have the energy to perform and dance I'm good and then the shifting came when my hubby and me moved to Canada and we had to like set up the school the dance school for my director and I actually got pregnant in the first year <laughs> of coming uh, to Vancouver so we didn't have family, there was no like really support system to like show me how, what, like nothing. I was learning everything about the place, the climate, like the weather, everything was shifting, changing, my body was changing. I was learning to like take on like managing a business at the same time while teaching and you get, you get the picture. <laughs> and here I am like giving birth to uh, my firstborn and it was a beautiful experience. And when Zion was born, at the time, I didn't realize how much all of these changes had impacted me. And I actually did experience like some postpartum depression, which at the time I didn't know was what it was. There was just this cry within my body of like wanting to get back to my dancer's body because I just identified it for so long and I knew that if I got back to it like I would just know what the hell I'm doing in life like if I could get back to my dancer's body get back on stage like all of life would make sense again you know and 
and there was like a deep craving for like going back to that identity where I didn't allow space to like kind of take on this new role and identity of a mother. I was extremely like lots of joy, lots of love, like just super grateful for the blessing, but just didn't know how to connect. There was some disconnection and that disconnection was within myself, right? So uh, having said that, it was like, I did find myself back on stage in six months. <laughs> it was like, I just had to do it. I was like, once, once I can get back to that place, I'll know how to like reconnect with the humans in my life and with myself. And so again, but I took the same path, like, you know, I went, I was swimming, I took my first swimming lessons, I ran on the treadmill as fast as I could for as long as I could, <laughs> just wanted to shed all that pregnancy weight, and eventually had this opportunity to go to India and be a part of one of Shamuk's like biggest productions called I Believe, like the show was called I Believe, like I lived that mantra for as long as I could and fed, fed it to my brain, to my body. And then when I got there, Amy, I had this baby in my car seat that I would travel from like for over an hour, hour and a half to make it to rehearsals. I would breastfeed him during rehearsals. I would try and keep up with 20 year olds, like, you know, dancing and fitting into costumes. So I, I like to understand what that actually does to a mother who's like, it's a complete, like, it just is not a good place because you're trying to fit into something that is just not meant for your journey at that point in time, right? There's so much of conflicting emotions, identities, like things just don't make sense. And I just wanted to be myself and be my best self. And it took a lot for me to be like stepping back from it and being like, I am not being my best self as a dancer. I'm not being my best self as a mother. I'm just going to take a step back and not do this and not put my child through this as well right now. <laughs> and I just like leaned back. I leaned back into my family, like connected with my mom, my sister, and just like when, you know, completely leaned on them to kind of find that reconnection again with myself and my old ways of like just being home and taking the time to like connect with Zion. And once I let go of that, that need, things started to settle you know, and calm down in my body. Once I got back, I did like what I realized, what came to me at that point was no amount of cardio, no amount of like depriving myself of like food, uh, depriving my child of like joy, food, whatever, or a healthy body just for myself, like did me any good. So when I came back, I knew that that wasn't the way I wanted to go. So I wanted to like be like stronger, have way more stamina and energy to keep up with him, be in um, a mental space that's healthy. You know, I just wanted to regain my mental health and be, feel alive in my body and be oh, like, be present, be present to what, what was happening in life at that moment. So I thought Rohan helped me. Rohan, my hubby, was like my first like personal trainer. Like he took me to the gym, he showed me how to lift some weights, and I was like, okay, fine, this is how we're gonna do it. But probably for the longest time, like I never lifted anything heavier than five pounds. I was like, no, this is it. I can't get bigger. Like it's still you're still living within that that realm, right? It's so like it's so deep in your body as a dancer. Just you just need to be like the shape and, and we're good. 
So anyways, that was that, but I, I shed that whole concept of wanting to be of, or more like I got attracted to the concept of wanting to be strong in my body and be strong in my mind. And so that was kind of when I pivoted how I look at training and how I want to feel in my body more than how I want to look on the outside. So that was big. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously like the learning and, and the journey kind of just came with it. Um, there was, I, we were like four years of having moved to Canada and then I joined Lululemon, which was again such a pivotal moment in my life and I was with the company for almost nine years. But in that span of time, just having come across women, I'm just going to point out to all the beautiful, brilliant women that ever came into my like existence or like that realm of like existence and showed me how like in incredible, like strong and you know, diversified their training practice was or like all the things they did. Like I had hikers, runners, like the whole spectrum, yogis. Like it was just beautiful to see like there are so many things available for you to train your body and to explore. And I got curious about that. I had a community and a tribe to kind of go go and explore movement on a different level. Fell, fell in love with yoga. Like yoga back in the day was boring for me because my mind was just racing. I just needed to get on stage, needed to get that rehearsal done. So, and then now I'm in a place where like, it's just the most beautiful uh, space to like explore movement and explore your body. And every time I did yoga, I felt so much stronger when I went back to dance because, you know, it was just so much more grounding and like building me up to like take me on and forth. So, yeah, so that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a lot in there. Um, okay, where are we going to go from here then? <laughs> Let's talk about uh, your training practice now. Mm-hmm. So having been in Lululemon and having been, really it's an exposure thing because I talk mm-hmm. about it in a specialist and a generalist approach. And when you specialize in something for so long, whether that's dance, I specialized in gymnastics and then Olympic weightlifting. And there's something beautiful in that specialty yeah. because that's how you get really good at something. You have to like go into it all in and that's how you learn and you become a specialist. But often with a specialist, it can be at the detriment to other areas of your health, to your relationships, to, yeah. And so there's beauty in a specialist, but it sounds to me that you have moved out of that into more of a generalist, which is this exploration of, hey, there's like (laughs) yoga. How does that feel when I move that way? Or there's running uh how does that feel and there's lifting weights and now you're in a gym setting can you talk to me about this experience of shifting from a specialist into a generalist um for sure so i think what is still pretty like a specialist or like something that's more specific to me or something that i go after still um amy is that creative exploration so I think I've like moved beyond that that just needs to be fulfilled through dance um, because I still feel like I can enter that space of 
creativity within my body and like within how I'm moving, even if I'm like with a kettlebell. You know, I can go into a kettlebell flow. I can I can break up my uh, like deadlifting day with like mobility stuff. So I still like when I'm exploring movements, even on the gym floor, on the studio floor, it's never about a rigorous hardcore routine it's always about mixing the hard with the fluid and like that's where I find like the joy on the floor I've never been like super hardcore with my reps and sets and weights it's always been about moving well moving feeling strong in my body and having an element of like flow and fluidity to it so I still like with my training practice I want to say that I lift maybe three or four days in the week. I practice uh, yoga on the weekend. I, that's how I start my, my weekend mornings. I love it. Um, I start off with a little bit of uh, a praying meditation and then naturally just go into like a yoga practice. And this all happens before my family's up. Because <laughs> I really need to like carve out those like 30 minutes in the morning for myself. And then, you know, it just sets the tone for the rest of the day. Uh, and I love actually when my little one comes into the room and she's like, oh mama, you're praying. Oh mama, you're like, whatever, doing yoga. And she'll watch these videos that are like playing in the room or whatever, right? So they kind of get introduced to what's important to you and what your practice is and they allow space for it to happen as well. And then you're hoping that it is something they take on. Um, so yeah, so lifting weights, yoga, I dance once or twice a week, but it's not as obviously given our current situation, it's not like we're at... A studio where you get to like you know really experiment and move it's more in more at home on a zoom class there are I promise you Amy there are moments where I'm cooking and the phone is on a zoom class and I'm literally like like learning up choreography in my kitchen and my son looks at me and he's like please tell me you're not doing that like please tell me you're not dancing while you're trying to cook Sam and me dinner and I'm like this is the only time I have to do it so it's just I think it's almost like a like an innocent need of just wanting to stay connected to what makes me joyful all the time and as long as I can find that creativity through movement uh, that's where I find I'm, I'm the happiest so I need to dance I need to do yoga and I need to lift weights <laughs> yeah and I love that and it brings up this conversation of having a practice mm -hmm. which we were talking about before we started recording and something that I've been thinking a lot about oh, for like the last four or five years <laughs> uh, but really in the last uh, few months when I wanted to do this series and this concept of having a practice, not just going to do a workout or mm -hmm. to train. And yeah, there's a part of like the language that we've created around this. Uh, and I really want to create this new language of having a training practice, which mm -hmm. is not just the training, not just the working out, not just the movement, but what else comes in that. Absolutely. So when you're talking about, uh, creating that space for 30 minutes to pray, to meditate, to breathe, to connect to yourself. That's part of a training practice. When you're doing yoga, when you're dancing, when you're lifting weights, all of those things are part of a training practice. Uh, and I think there's such beauty in that. And when we can look at it like that, I feel like it shifts our why. Mm -hmm. 
Because if I was to ask you what was your why when you were just dancing, like professionally, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's very different to your why for moving your body now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what is your why for training? So my why for training now, Amy, like in my almost heading into my 40s is more for, I think, consistency I really I really think consistency builds confidence and I think it's just can I bring myself to be accountable to myself to show up every single day for for a practice or you know for that time for myself because I know when I am working out or when I am dedicating that time during the day it's for myself, my mental health, my physical health. And I think right now that consistency, that accountability, that practice is what does it for me. So it's almost like a mental health piece, if, if anything, right? Being able to show up for yourself, being able to be, um, to say that I got you, we're going to do this together. You know, this is good for, for you, for your body, for your health. Um, I think the practice is more on that mental side for me right now. That comes through in the physical form, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 so yeah I really love that. The practice is, I think it has a physical form. It shows up because that's just how I express and how I find myself. But the actual practice is, on, is more of a mental, um, spiritual, emotional side of managing that piece of can you show up consistently can you be there for yourself consistently you know this does you know wonders for your body wonders for your mind and you just need to commit and be showing up for it so that's the practice I know it's like yeah yeah no I really like that there's a couple of pieces in there that I love uh the piece around uh consistency births confidence Mm -hmm. and then uh we'll explore that a little bit And like most people will talk about like consistency as in like the consistency of training, you know, X times a week, the consistency of walking 10,000 steps a day, the consistency of like a habit or a behavior. And I think that they're really important in helping us like connect to ourselves and to build that practice. But I really love what you're saying. It's the consistency in like, you showing up for yourself, like being true to you, your story, your intentions, Mm -hmm. where you want to go. And I think that's really important. If people can get clear on their intent, their why, why am I doing this? What is my intent with this practice? Uh, Like what's my story? How do I want to feel? Where do I want to go? That's what fuels the consistency in yeah. like who you are. I think you nailed it with the with the word intention. I think um, you probably got a gist of like this this real need for like carving out that time, right, for oneself. And I think what I do with that time and how I show up to that is like so important for me. So like that intention piece of do I have 30 minutes? Do I have the luxury of two hours to work out? You know, being aware and being grateful for whatever that time is uh, and then fueling it with intention. How do I want to show up 
for whatever the practice is, like whatever the movement practice is. How do I want to go into it, being more present, being more grateful for having the time? Uh, how do I want to feel through it and come out of it? Do I want to feel like, like I've just had the most beautiful, like fluid movement where I've expressed myself, like, you know, through movement? Do I want to feel coming out nice and strong? Like feeling like I just like had my best PR, like set an intention. Like what, what is that day really calling out for? And you'll, you'll know it. You'll just know it in your gut. You know, is, is today the day you're going to, you're like deadlift your best weight or is today going to be like where you're going to hit up like the most beautiful yoga practice? You'll just feel it. And kind of drawing your attention to that. Don't go into movement just because you've got to get it in. You don't need to get anything in. You need to be you need to be using that gift of time, that gift of practice to really further you emotionally, mentally, spiritually into a space that that is for you, you know, that that builds that higher connection to yourself or to divine. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so having an intention and then what you do coming out of that practice. How, how do you show up to the, to the world after that? You know, are you rushed? Are you like now trying to scramble and fit everything else in to the rest of your day? Then you've kind of lost that, that whole gift that you were given of like spending time with yourself and exploring, right? Yeah, and so. then I think you're not living into the practice. Correct. Now, of course, sometimes life is squishy, sometimes... <laughs> squishy is my favorite word. <laughs> oh my God, you've like, you've coached me on the word squishy so much. When I think of space and when I think of breath and breathe, Dal, and I always say this to myself, breathe. You're being squishy right now. I remember that time in Lululemon when it was... It was, so, it was a really squishy time for me back then because yeah. I was having like two jobs and I couldn't make up my mind. And I keep coming back to this like literally life coaching that we would have in the back room and we would be like, Dad, does it feel squishy? And I'm like, yes, it does, Amy. Yeah. And you would be like, what do you need to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's life is squishy. Like so many uh, parts of our life, they're just squishy and stressful and the physiology knows it. Yeah. The subconscious knows it. So, you know, if we have, uh, we want to get a certain result or we have a certain intention, uh, but we're living this squishy, stressful life, uh, it's really hard for us to to live into that or to get where we want to go or to get the results that we want mm -hmm. out of our practice. And by results, it's like, well, it, what's results mean to you? Yeah? yeah. Like you said, is it to feel grounded? Is it to connect with my breath? Is it to develop my strength, my balance, my stability, to change my body composition? It depends on what results means to you, but it's hard if you're squishy and stressful. Correct to live into getting those results for you. Uh, and yet something I'll always come back to when I work with women is, okay, you can show up for yourself for half an hour and for an hour, but what about the rest of the time? Mm -hmm. how, like, how are you actually living with all the other, all the other bits stresses, of time yeah. and all the other stresses? And yes, they play a big part in our life, but also we're always in choice. And we can choose to just stop for a moment and connect to our breath. We can choose to take half an hour in the morning 
and cultivate that practice before the family gets up to make sure that we're choosing us before everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I love, I love, <laughs> I love the squishy word, and I really want people listening to think about, okay, where in my life is squishy, Correct. and how is that impacting, you know, my my body, my system, uh, my relationships, my ability to get the results that, that I want in my training practice. Yeah. Yeah. And also another thing of like with the word squishy, like what I love about it is that it, it gives you a physical sense. You know, it's not just a word to be like, okay, do you just have too much on your plate? No, when you say the word squishy, and like you said, it's a physiological response. Like if you have too much on your plate, it, it, it kind of like almost puts you into that like contracted mode where you, you, you will not be breathing the way you're supposed to. You will not be thinking the way, you know, you're going to be performing to your most optimal self. And it's just like, yeah, you getting and being aware of it, like being aware of that sensation, right? Says a lot about like drawing awareness in the moment of like, do you feel squishy? Something needs to shift, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a powerful word. <laughs> it is a powerful word. You can feel, you feel like, it. Even when I say it, like yeah. sometimes my physical body will like contract, contract in or like I'll feel tension yeah. and, I, and my shoulders will raise <laughs> even when I think about it because we've all experienced that feeling of that sensation, that squishy feeling and, you know, it's not pleasant. No. Uh, and... What else comes up for me when we're talking about here is when you talk about your training practice, you're talking about it as in like inhabiting your body. Mm-hmm. And I love that because mm-hmm. for me, there's like two, there's two things. There's your body is a tool. Do you know how to use it? Because right. the health and fitness space right now, they don't teach you that. They don't teach you how to use your body as a tool. They don't teach you how to train. Why are we training? What's the intent where do you want to go? Uh, it's show up, sit on a spin bike, you know, five times a week, sweat, yeah. and like that's it. But really that's a disservice to your body because it's a tool and so many people don't know how to use it. But then the second piece for me is are you inhabiting it? Like mm-hmm. do you inhabit your body? Do you understand it? Yeah. You know, yes, of course, if you want to spin and that that gives you joy and it connects you to your body, but is it really, is it helping you inhabit your body or are you going in there because you want to burn 623 calories and lose weight? Uh, And there's a big difference there to then going into that room maybe and sitting on the bike and really being in the experience, Mm -hmm. noticing what's coming up in the body. You know, and can you do that with deafening music? I'm not sure. <laughs> with me, no. And this is this is the environment thing. It comes back to it's like, are you in an environment that's enriching the experience? And for some people, for sure, that may really help them inhabit their body. Mm-hmm. You know, being in a dark room with loud music. But for me, that doesn't help me inhabit my body. And it takes it takes it away from that being a lever to connect. And so for training, for me, is it's just a lever to connect to my body. And I love when you were talking about, you know, what are you feeling? Yeah? Like, yeah. what's coming up? What did training? I love the question, what did training teach you today? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what did you learn from your body? What did you learn about yourself? 
What did you learn through the practice? Mm -hmm. That is, to me, inhabiting your body. When you, when you frame it that way, what my mind wants to go to, Amy, is uh, this belief that I have of like us being spiritual beings having a physical existence, right? So it, it really is, it brings you back to what is that experience that you are seeking, that your body is a tool that can, that can take you to it. Like, you know, whether it's through, whether it's through working out, whether it's through relationships, whether it's through sex, whether it's through, you know, whatever it is, right? It, it's a tool that is, that you have been blessed with, that the spiritual being has been blessed with to be able to experience all of this that, that we have. And so when you go into the space of movement, but you look at it in a, dis, in a sort of disconnection of like, I need to take my body through a certain, not like a punishment, but like I need to put it through all of this so that it behaves, you know, or it falls or it conforms or it like acts according to my will or like so that I'm happy. Like, you know, that whole disconnection of your body is not with you and you need to be able to like put it through a certain rigor so that it like appeals to you. For, for the lack of words. But I think the minute you see that your body is not separate from you and it is a tool, like you said, it, it's there to bring you joy. It's just going to fall through in terms of what do you want to experience it? Like if you keep seeing it as something that needs to be punished, something that needs to be put in place, something that you will always have that, that same feeling for yourself. Like you're not going to be able to feel abundant you're not going to be able to feel joy you're not going to be able to feel like you've got your shit together because you're constantly trying to put your body through you know like this whole punishment or scarcity or like restriction when that actually is your state of mind it's not what your body is showing up as it just shows up as like it's a reflection of what's in your mind so I think that disconnection and how we choose, and it comes back to then how do you actually choose to move your body? Do you, if, do you need to see it as something that needs to be punished or do you need to see it as something that moves with you? Because if it moves with you, it will bring you joy. And there's nothing to be fixed. There's everything to be explored. There's everything to be experienced. There's, um, you know, there isn't anything that needs to be whacked into place and like put into place. Because it's, it's your mind that needs to kind of figure that out first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. There is no right way. Yeah. Like there is no, because I'll often get asked, what's the right way to train? Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is where the disconnect is. Or what's that, the right diet? Or yeah, what's the what's, right, yeah. what's, what? Just what's the right way? <laughs> what's the answer? Yeah. When I was practicing as a dietitian, it would often be, oh, well, what's like, what's the answer? People yeah. would want an answer. Yeah. And that's why we're in this place. Yeah. We, you know, have that. A multi-billion dollar diet industry we have the health and fitness space which is like yeah just there's a lot going on and everyone's searching for this answer and when you turn around if you know I've been in this space for yes I've been a coach for 12 13 years but I've like been a, a mover and an athlete for most of my life and like there is no right way there is no secret and what I would tell people about that with food yeah and I'm like 
just eat real whole food, balance your meals, eat often, like yeah. learn and people would want to know the secret. <laughs> and the same is with training. It's like, what's the right way to train? And there really is no right way. If we, if we look at it, how we've been talking about it, it's a movement practice. Correct. You have a body, you can move all day. How do you choose to, to live in that body? How do you choose to move today? Uh, and, you know, yeah, I, th I think I made a post the other day about it. It's like, you know, yoga can increase your flexibility, but there's so many other things in that practice. Yeah, weightlifting can make you stronger, but it also increases, you know, like stability, body awareness. It's just within any type of movement, it's teaching you so many things. Mm -hmm. Like, are you paying attention? Are you open to the experience? Uh, yeah, so there is no right way. And I guess that comes up a lot with food. Yeah. Yeah. And when you work with people with food, <laughs> it does. And it's the more, it's the most, I love it, but I also get so frustrated by it because it's just like the information's changing. We're pretty much just trying to catch up. Like research is always catching up. So it's always shifting and changing. And even as, as a coach, as a nutritionist, yeah, you're trying to simplify like, what that information means and make sense of it to like, you know, just like the everyday person, but it's, it's conflicting. It's changing all the time. So it's like, what do you do in the midst of like, when you don't know, when you don't know what is right or wrong, like, do you have coconut oil or do you not have coconut oil? Like, do you eat eggs or do you not eat eggs? Do you intermittent fast or do you not? Like there is so much. And I think with training and with nutrition, it always, it comes down to there is no black and white there's a ton of gray and if you are ready to kind of spend time in that gray area you will find your right shade of gray but that works for you at that time in life which may not be something that will work for you in the next decade of your life you know yes and I, yes. Love, that. <laughs> I love that so much and I say that so often it's like this may work for you now, today. Correct. It may not work for you tomorrow or in a week or in a month or a year. Yeah. And so this is the piece around, do you understand your body? Do you yes. understand your physiology? Do you understand the messages it's sending you? And you can eat a certain way, move a certain way today, but it may not work for you in a week or a month or a year, yeah. depending on what's going on in your life, what stresses. Yeah, what's really going on with the system. And I love that you bring that up because I say that so often. It's yeah. what's working for you right now. Yeah. And I'm different to you, you're different to me. And I talk about the red umbrella all the time. Yeah. It's like our red umbrellas are so different. The, my red umbrella right now today may be very different to my red umbrella in a month or a year, depending on what's going on in my life. And it has exactly. been very different. And if I didn't understand my body, I don't know how to navigate that. Correct. And this is the piece that I guess as a coach, we're trying to teach people. people. Yeah? yeah, we're not telling them eat this, 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 and this amount, this amount, this amount. <laughs> it's more so, okay, do you understand yourself and your body? Yes, I can support, uh, you know, in teaching you like how to train and I can give you food guidelines that can support you right now, but do you really understand yourself? Mm -hmm. So then you know how to be your own teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is powerful to be your own teacher. The other, like you've probably experienced this as well, Amy, is like people come coming to you and being like, 
you know, I'm doing exactly what I did like a while back and my body responded to like all of these changes, whether it was like restriction, a certain form of, you know, exercising. And I don't understand why it's not doing that right now for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's like, it literally is like, are you telling me that your life right now is exactly what it was like 10 years back and then it's not responding? It's like, it's like, wake up people like wake yeah. up and see what's what's shifted like stop all that you've spent that 10 years in fear and scarcity under nourishing and overtraining yeah. and your body's finally like i've had enough done the system I'm out. <laughs> i've had enough which is probably more so the case it's like you've just spent years under nourishing and overtraining and exactly. at the detriment to so many areas that the body finally, you know, the body never lies and it pushes back yeah. and it can take 100%. a year and it can come out in like injury, mm. or fatigue, pain, or it can take five or 10 years and it can come out. Your mental in health, like, right? Like your mental health can be crashing a lot. Your body might be flourishing, but your mental health will be like crashing on the other end. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I guess there's two parts to it. It's that uh, everything's impermanent. And so your red umbrella is always changing. changing. Life is always changing. The system and stresses. And then the second piece is, yeah, do you know how to like manage that? Do you know how to nourish it? Do you know how to move it? Do you know how to listen to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the easiest thing, and which is, which is easy for us, for you and me, I guess, but not for like, is like for people who are seeking that, that answer give me that red answer that right answer right it's just more about like you have to be in conversation with yourself like you have to be asking your body your mind questions of like is something working is something not like and your body always speaks to you like if it's bloated if it's if your skin's erupting if you're just mentally like not super focused and present but rather than looking, and I think this whole thing of like looking at those conversations that the body's having as problems and like something that needs to be fixed versus, you know, dialing into it and using it more as a compass to like figure out where exactly you're headed and how to kind of navigate back onto that to the right path is like, is so important. I feel like this whole mentality of of fixing I need to be I need to be fixed and everybody around me needs to be fixed just needs to be like like changed yeah it's more about listening in understanding that you're in a different place you're in a different journey that's going to shift and change what do you need right now and the only person who can answer that is yourself so really building that connection and listening even though you don't like the answers like you know you you probably like your life right now doesn't look like you can show up to the gym five times a week and that is just the reality of it it doesn't mean that it's going to be like a forever permanent way of being it, it just means that other things in life right now need space and you need you need space to breathe you need space for your relationships to grow or for like whatever like if you're building a new business or whatever that looks like things need space and breath you know so don't try and fix, but try and like have more of listen to like what your body's saying, even if you don't like what you're listening, what's coming out of it. Yeah, I really love that because we are stuck on fix. You know, what can I take? What supplement can I take? What can I yeah. do? What do I need to add it? Like to add in to fix me, where yeah. really it is coming from this. Well, how can I support? 
yeah if I yeah. want to heal and I want to support my body uh, yeah how do I do that yeah uh, and so for you to be able to show up and be in your uh, movement practice for you to train hard uh, what does like a recovery protocol look like for you what does the other part of your umbrella look like for you to have the energy, for you to be able to connect to your body and then recover well, what do you do in in the other parts of your practice? So my recovery protocol has a lot of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to be really honest with you, Amy, I don't always manage to get the hours in like through my night sleep. I, I feel like just over the years of like, you know, with kids and just like, Back in Bombay, we used to sleep really late. You always like went to bed like after rehearsals and stuff. So it's just been like that sort of energy in my body. And we don't tend to fall asleep before like 11 in the night. And then I'm up at 4.30 like for work. So I don't manage to clock in the hours in the night. And so what I find is my body naturally like loves napping. I love my naps. Like I will, it's a non-negotiable. <laughs> like the amount it's probably like the most rested I will, I will feel in that hour than I have felt through like six hours of my night's sleep. It's the most beautiful thing I can do for my body. What time do you nap? I usually, it's between between three and five. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're not into her nap time right now. <laughs> It's only one twenty-two. Perfect. Yeah. So you can go home after this, and then you can um, you can have your lunch, and then you can have a nap. And I used to nap all like every day when I was lifting. So yeah. I used to lift for a couple of hours in the yes. morning and coach, yes. and then I would go home after lunchtime, and I would uh, nap for an hour or two, and then I would either coach again or I would be training again in, in the evening. That's and my favorite nap. It's like yeah. after I've had a good lifting session, it's like, it's, it's undisturbed. It's like, it's literally like clock, like hour to hour. Like I haven't, nothing's disturbed me. I haven't had like, you know, but that's exactly it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So sleep definitely is a big one for my, for recovery. Uh, nutrition is um, also is also a big one I always eat before and after I try and do more whole foods so I don't really turn towards like protein shakes and supplements it's more through through foods just regular home-cooked meals um, is how is what I don't do uh, if I know that I'm probably rushing from a training session and and I'm not going to be able to get my meal in in that hour two hours is maybe when I'll have like a like a protein supplement but that's about it also given that I have actually lifted <laughs> prior not just done like you know light work um, the other thing that is really key to recovery is is my I don't know if this is the same for you but it's my relationships so it's just like you know the stress or or not having that stress right having complete conversations having more peaceful, rounded conversations, going to bed, not conflicted, but like resolving whatever needs to be resolved. Like um, just not having like loose ends, I think. So that definitely like guarantees that I've had a good, good night's rest. And even if it's like a couple of hours, like when you wake up, you're still like, there's nothing on your mind really. So you can really take on the day. 
so relationships are a big one for me hydration i'm like in and out there are days when i'm like really good with it and there are days when i'm just like <laughs> so bad and it like catches up with me in the night and then i'm just like chugging and then i have to like wake up in the middle of the night and go to the loo but yeah i need to be more on top of that for sure but i think these are my like four main areas i would i would think is uh sleep my nutrition which is just basic simple home cooked meals uh my relationships making sure you know everything's like good to go <laughs> and then hydration yeah. yeah and i love that and I did the first episode of this series yesterday with Lucy. Uh, she is a ultra marathon runner and mm-hmm. an Australian uh, athlete, and her recovery protocol was also so simple. <laughs> she said the first thing was sleep. I sleep a lot, uh, and then food. Yeah, uh, and making sure that she just had a mobility and a movement practice, mm-hmm. and those were her three things. And the same, and I love this. I love because it, it is simple. Oh, yeah. Uh, and again, we like to make it layered like an onion, like we need all of these things. But really to nourish our system, our nervous system, to recover well, we just need to sleep. <laughs> we need to eat real yeah. whole foods enough. And like when you talk about the relationships, what comes up for me is like making sure that your environment is enriched. Like if you're in relationship with these people that, you know, you live with, that's in your environment, you want it to be enriched. Correct. And how you do that is, you know, like showing up in the conversation, being present. Yeah, everything that you just spoke about. Because the environment plays a really big role in, you know, how our nervous system recovers. It's all of that like unconscious signaling, right? And if that's like not rest not restful like your environment like you're talking about it's just like your body's still receiving those stress signals like it's not going to be like 100% recovered or it's not going to feel you know the benefits of like a full recovery protocol in that sense is but you wouldn't realize that this is actually a stimulus that's like like going at you like because you've done everything right you've like you've made sure you've like rested you've got your eight hours of sleep you've got your your supplements and your protein and like everything in but if your environment is not supportive of that like your nervous system is just on file like all the time on edge so the recovery in that sense hasn't really happened because you haven't checked off that that mind body spirit connection right or you need to recover on all realms yeah. Sense. yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where there's a big gap in between uh, expectations and reality for a lot of people that show up yes. to a gym or want to get a certain result. There's this gap between the expectation that they have, and often it comes to do with their body composition, mm-hmm. their weight, their shape, their size, and their actual reality of, okay, what's the state of the nervous system? What's the environment like? What's the red umbrella doing? Are you eating enough food? Are you doing all these things? Uh, because you, the gap is so big between that expectation and the reality. If you yeah. don't have all those things, if you aren't nourishing all those other prongs, yeah. you're not going to get the results. Yes, like we were talking about before, maybe in the short term, yeah. for sure. Yeah, you can get there, but it's often at the detriment to so many other areas of your health. Yeah. Uh, it comes out in pain, injury, fatigue, hormonal imbalances, poor relationships. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest battles as I have as a coach mm-hmm. is getting people to learn about the state of themselves, of their nervous system, 
they're like, oh, I'm not stressed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, on a conscious level, you may not feel stressed, but I can guarantee you on yeah. a subconscious level, on a nervous system level, level. your body is freaking the F out. out. Yeah. <laughs> because like you're in a stressful environment, your work's demanding, you probably like you have kids. You probably don't sleep enough. You don't eat enough food often yeah. enough and not the right food for you. You're like overtraining. And so, yeah, the nervous system's a mess. So really for me, it's about, okay, we need to fix the nervous system mm-hmm. uh, before we can even move into like training, training hard, getting the results that we want. Yeah. You just won't be able to sustain it. And this is kind of where I want to bring the conversation is this back to this Uh, consistency this sustainability Um, yeah because it's often the biggest piece that a lot of people struggle with is this consistency and sustainability and I remember that when we were here a month or so ago and we were talking and you said to me like when I see you show up what comes to me is consistency. And in that same week, I think I had someone else also say that. And I thought, okay, well, we've got to talk about this. It's got to come up. And it's been coming up over the last couple of months is, you know, people are just so curious about how do you do it? Like, how do you show up consistently? Um, And I think this is kind of where I would love to end the conversation is your thoughts on, this consistency and showing up I think you're such a beautiful example like I'm I'm sure so many people have said that to you Amy but literally when I think of like my training practice and you know being motivated or inspired to show up to it consistently like you've been a big influence like and I think part of it is because you're so simple you're so simple in what you need to feel like you've had a good day. You need to like, you need to have a physical practice. You need to eat good food. You need to go out on your walk with Hank. You need to like spend time with, you know, your partner. It's, it's basic and it's simple, like you said. But I feel like we have, the more you add layers onto what is going to, to sustain you or make you feel content, the more complicated it gets. The more you unlayer it like that onion, it's just like, what is actually super basic? You need to keep it really simple so that it doesn't overwhelm you in that regard and you can actually want to do it day in and day out. I think when we overwhelm ourselves with like everything that it should look like, that it, you know, I should be doing this or I need to look like Amy or I need to be like that hardcore or I need to be lifting that certain weight or I need to be I need I need you don't need to do anything (laughs) you shouldn't be having to do anything just what is the most simplest action that you can show up to that is the most meaningful to you now can you do that for three days in a row you know it doesn't it still doesn't need to be like like a big bite it needs to be small. And once you've done it for three days a week, can you repeat that next week? Can you still do that for three days? And can you do that the week after? Okay, great. Now we've got three weeks in. Can you do that for a fourth day? You know, just like go at go at it with what with everything you have in that moment. So I think the whole comparison or it needs to or it should be, it just needs to get out of the window. 
you just you you do you in that moment of like what is available to you and what feels like you can show up 100%. And that may be one hour a week. And then you do that consistently next week. And when you've done that consistently enough and it's not taking the willpower and the mental work of like, you know, like really working hard to show up and it becomes easy, then you layer on top of it. Then you add the next chapter on, then you take it a step further. And then do that consistently. Like, I think consistency, the beautiful part of it is that it just takes the struggle out of having to, like, struggle with your willpower. Like, willpower is just shit. Like, <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't make sense. Like, if, you, if you, you're someone who says that I don't have the willpower, like, I don't know how you do it. Like, how do you have the willpower? It's not about that. It's just, it's, 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 a, it's something that you want to latch on to to kind of almost like your escape route. It's not that. It's super simple. Dial it into what is super important and simple for you to action and then just stick with it. And the more you do it, the more you'll be like, I just did that. I did that four days in a row. Okay, let's dial in the fifth <laughs> day. You know? And it needs to be basic. It can be drinking water in the morning. Like, can you drink a glass of water like the first thing you do in the morning? Yeah, I can. Okay, perfect. Can you go for a 15-minute walk every day with your with your baby in the stroller yeah I can okay fine done you know two actions done consistently will like will like instill that confidence that that you're showing up for yourself consistently and that's all that I feel like a lifestyle nutrition movement practice is aimed at getting you to do this consistency where it takes out the, the mind games we're very good at mind games yeah, we are. Yeah, the mind, all the story that we tell ourselves that's not often helpful. But I think what's super cool is that you can change the story. Yeah. <laughs> you have the choice to change that story. And for me, I think it comes back to your values. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you value? And I have this conversation so many times with the women that I work with because we get into this comparison and this fear and this judgment and they'll often like they want to be as strong as me or look like me and I, and it's just sometimes that's not possible because and of the and, – and that's okay because yeah. – of the life that they want to live. Yeah, like I don't have a family. I don't drink alcohol. Yeah, and some women that I'm working with, you know, they have families. They maybe drink three or four times a week. Now, I'm not saying that that's not good, it's not bad, it just is what it it's is. Like, exactly. And if you find joy and love and connection in that, that's amazing. Yeah. But there's also, again, it creates this gap between the expectation and the reality of mm -hmm. like, you know, I've been training all of my life. I set my whole entire life up to make sure that I'm nourishing my red umbrella, <laughs> that I'm managing stress. I have so many boundaries. I have so many practices. My whole life is like my movement practice. Yeah. So for you to then go and compare and judge to somebody else, it's not fair on you because that's not your life. Now, you can choose that if you want, but, like, do you really want that? Is it a value to you? Yes. Yeah, over all the other values that you have. Yeah. And I think this is where the big work needs to be done of, like, comparing and judging to other people and their life uh, when, you know, what's true to you? What do you really value? How do you want to feel? How can you be consistent for yourself? Yeah. 
not looking at, you know, me or you or because it's so different. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so that's what when you talk about that to me, what I just what I hear is like the value. What yeah. are you valuing? And that's okay if it changes as well. I think we're just so stuck in this right way and uh, yeah. So yeah, it's hard because you you kind of you're only watching it from like a visual perspective, right? You're only like you're letting one of your senses dictate everything that needs to happen. And like the character that you're playing in your story right now, that you're playing in like life story right now, and you have like these set of cards that you have, and that's all you can play your game out with. Whereas what I have and what you have, Amy, is like we're dealt completely different cards, right? But we both have a chance at winning at it. It just depends on how we play our cards out. So it really is, I think it comes down to also acceptance of like just where you are in life and reassessing, assessing, reassessing of where your goals are in conjunction with your values. Like what is really important to you right now? Is it about like having those six packs? Like fine, like go get a six pack, you know? Like what is, how is that going to serve you and serve your family or serve whatever it is that you need to do? So I think just that mental imagery needs to shift. And as coaches, I think what you brought up beautifully is, is people are fixated on nutrition and movement. And there is so much, like if you look at your red umbrella, there is so much that comes with it. That's the holistic overview. It's not just the two. And that is why like I feel like these two areas are so fragmented and there's so much confusion about which way do I actually go to get the best board that I want is because nobody actually wants to take the time to look at the rest of the picture because it means slowing down it means tuning in it means like you don't always control all the factors going in and coming out right there's a little bit of surrender and very less control in some aspects of your life so i think as coaches what we can shift is it or we should try to do at least is to shift this fixation from from movement and nutrition that's not the ultimate you know, two tools that will get you there, but drawing the attention to that holistic overview, that whole red umbrella, and making people feel like they're more than just that. They're more than just how they choose to lift a weight. They're more than what they just choose to put into their body, right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's why I talk often about taking the long way home. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got to take the long <laughs> way. It's long and it's hard, but... Keep it simple. Yeah, but... Yeah, through the long way home, it's actually really simple. Mm -hmm. And I think movement and food are the most powerful tools on that journey. But there, yeah, there's so many other pieces when you take the long way home instead of always taking the shortcut, which, uh, you know, I've even witnessed with you over the last three, four years that we've known each other is learning to navigate this longer way home. Yeah, and when you were explaining your story and your journey through dance to where you are now, like that's the long way home. (laughs) The short way would have just been keep going, like keep dancing, keep restricting, keep pushing, but no, it's actually, and sometimes it takes something in our life to be like, okay, all right, I need to like, I need to choose a different way. And I think if you can take anything out of this, it's like this series even, it's like there's a different way. For each one of us. Yeah, for each one of us. 
And there's a different way from, you know, overtraining and undernourishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, darling, we're going to finish with, um, we could just talk for hours. I told you, Amy, we yeah. could just talk for hours. We could. We could talk for hours and hours. We're going to finish with six questions. Yes. Yes. Okay. Number one, why do you train? Um, I train to feel, it's actually my biggest creative expression time. So I train to give myself that time to be able to explore just what's going on within my body, what needs to come out for the day, how I need to move. So it definitely is my creative outlet. Um, I train to feel strong, to feel able, to feel sexy. Uh, and also part of me just to sh do it consistently uh, as like for my kids to bear witness to, to know what's, you know, what can come out of it and for them to know that that is an option for them. As oh well. yeah! I love like that. I have a responsibility. Yeah, of like doing it and like showing them that that is an important um, piece to who they are. As yeah. Humans. yeah, and I see them. They're moving. They're moving yeah. and grooving. Sam's even she's dancing. The guy gets in and he's yeah. like, yeah. And they look. They have two parents that are super creative yeah. and that just. And they move their body. And to see that is just so powerful. And to grow up, I think, with that of like, you know what? This is a tool. You can express yourself. Mm -hmm. You can learn about your body instead of growing up in, in fear or shame. or Yeah, like of like, is. yeah, that coming from that fear or scarcity of like, I have to work out. Yeah. This is how many calories I burned. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's just the shift in that for kids to see that, hey, this is super cool. This is so, so great to be able to express myself. I just love it. Okay, number two, you have a billboard in Times Square and it's going to stay there forever. What does it say on it? Okay, so one, it's got a big picture of me smiling. <laughs> yes. I have to smile on a billboard in Times Square. Um, but it pretty much goes with saying you have more to smile about than you know. So. Oh, I love that. She's sitting like... here smiling. She's got such a beautiful big smile. So <laughs> I really like that. Just drawing your attention to, I think, just drawing your attention to everything that we have to be grateful for, especially in like these shifty times, there's like more that you can hold on to that's not working right. But if you just take a step back, smile and give it a thought and be like, if I can find three things that can make me smile today, I'm more blessed than, you know, somebody else yeah. elsewhere. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Number three. What do you like that nobody else really likes? I guess two things. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really like Indian cultural things, though. Um, I really love eating with my hands. <laughs> I, at home, like, we very rarely will, like, use spoons and forks. Unless, of course, like, we're eating a salad or, or pasta. But we're pretty much, I'm always eating with my hands. And if I ever do eat a meal with like a spoon or a fork, I, trust me, Amy, I, I feel like a dis, I almost feel like a disconnect in terms of like satiation or like how satiated I am or how the food tastes going into my mouth. 
<laughs> it's really strange. I but, love that. But even with like our kids, like as kids, or even for my little ones, like when I sit down to feed Sam, it, we only feed her with our hands. So it's like you mix like the rice into like the chicken curry or like the lentils or the vegetables or whatever it is, but you just use your hands, you, you mix the food in and then you just like feed them. And I oh, love that. I love that. I'm just like touching my hands right now. Yeah, because it's a connection piece. Yeah. Why do we feel like we have to put a fork and a spoon in a the child's hands when they they just want to touch and touch and, and you watch a child eat and they just want to they want to touch it they want to feel it yeah. they want to squish, squish it. it they want to put it into their mouth and then they have this connection piece and yeah. just the western culture is just we just strip connection away yeah. by put shoes on eat with a knife and fork yeah. and that's what i love about your, the culture, like the Indian yeah. culture, it's don't wear shoes, <laughs> like eat with your hands. Exactly. Like sit cross-legged on the floor. Oh, like, like we are doing we right eat. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. So even if we're e eating our meals, like generally we'll just all sit on the floor together. Like if we're with friends and stuff, yeah, we'll, we'll go up to the dinner table, but usually like mealtime is on the floor. Like we're just sitting, usually one of us is feeding Sam, the rest of us are eating. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, number four. What are your three favorite books? Uh, give you like three authors and then I think like the books that come with them. So Brene Brown's, all three of them, Gift of, Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Dare to Lead was like the latest one I read. Um, something that I love about what she says in that book is um, choose wisely about who you take um, advice from and like like if that person is in the ring with you for sure like they've played the game they have like smashed their face in dot like they know exactly what you're talking about then listen to them but like don't take advice from the one sitting outside the yeah podium. yeah I love that I love, I love you Brittany <laughs> she changed my life yeah. I know she just talks she just talks so directly to you. Sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's just like, I get what you're saying, but that's hard. That's really yeah. hard to take in right now. <laughs> but you just gotta read it over and over again until you're like comfortable with it. Um, Eckhart Tolle. So New Earth, uh, Power of Now, I also had, at one point I was listening. I had like a CD and I would like listen to it in the car. And there's something about his voice that just like transcends and you're just like in this like, so but it was it was awesome. It was what I needed at the time. Yeah. But hypnotized yeah. too. <laughs> Just drive to work, like zone out. <laughs> uh, and then Louis, hey, I'm not sure if you've read her book, You Can Heal Yourself. And she talks about um, a lot about like how most of like our body ailments are because of some emotional connection. So it's the book filled with like affirmations and just so every now and then if there's like something going on in the body, like my shoulder or my neck or like something, I'll like go like flip through the pages and be like, okay, what does this actually indicate? Like neck issues, for example, was one and she was like, you know, it's a sign of inflexibility, stubbornness, not wanting to look um, at all sides of an issue or like, and then she gives you an affirmation to go with it. So it starts changing your vibration and starts changing how you talk about what's going on in life and stuff like that. 
So changing your story in that sense. Super cool. So, yeah. I love that. Those are my three. Yeah, because we hold so much of that, like that emotional trauma, trauma emotional trauma, yeah. Yeah. blockage, resistance, whatever in Words, the body, feelings. and it will come out in the body. And yeah. yeah, I love that that's a tool to help you decipher that. Yeah. Um, or something that's been persistent and you're just like, why? Like, why can't I get rid of this? Or like, yeah. why do I always keep like, why is my ankle a thing? Like, why do I keep spraining my ankle out of every part of my body? It's always the ankle or like, you know, just things like that. And it may not be the answer. It might, but it might draw your attention to something. Yeah. And if it is something that actually speaks to you in the moment, you're like, ah, it actually does speak to me. Sure. Then you can do something about it. But yeah. if it's completely completely something completely bland then fine let it go yeah <laughs> okay number five what are three things you would like to be remembered for um i would like to be remembered as someone who uh, just followed their heart and didn't always follow like the path that made the most sense <laughs> but just like literally took off and did her own thing just because it made her happier. Um, yeah, I don't, I often get asked that and I don't know how to explain myself. I just don't know how to explain myself and my choices sometimes to people. But what is most apparent is that I'm content and I'm happy and I'm, you know, people would be like, how do you look like 10 years younger than your age? Or like, usually that's my answer to them. It's just like, I do what feels good in my heart and my gut. Um, and I dance. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, that's usually my go-to. The other thing would be, uh, I think someone just who always find, wants to find the brighter side to like what's happening. Because there'll be always someone to like knock you down or like, you know, show you the darker picture. And I think I have like my partner, Rohan, he's he's a beautiful soul like he just walks hand in hand when it comes to that it's just like finding the brighter side of like what's going on so whenever we're like each of us is in, in the depths like we're always trying to pull each other out and being like it's not the worst it's not the worst we haven't hit rock bottom yet it's just like you know what can we what can we find like if it's happening there has to be more attention to it than it just being like a random act of whatever like if there's there are no coincidences so just finding more meaning in like what you're going through at the time. Yeah. Beautiful. That's it. Amy. Last one. That's it. Do you know what day you're on in your cycle? Yes, I do. I did my homework 25. <laughs> <laughs> day 25. I love that. I'm looking forward to having my day one. I like wait. That last leg, I sometimes just wait to get my period. Do you feel that? Do you feel like that last little bit, you're just like, ah, oh, when will I just get my period? I don't know, but it's like, sometimes it's like PMS. Sometimes it's just like, you're more tired. You just like want to get it like started and over with and get back into your strong days. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I think it's that dip, right? Like that hormonal dip, you just want to be like out and done with. Yeah, sometimes yeah. You, you don't drive with the rhythm. You want the different rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you want to enter. Yeah. You want Beyonce to come on stage. <laughs> and you want to be, yeah, in that yeah. that that rhythm, the up rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Dal. This is beautiful, Amy. 
Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm so grateful that you made the space and yeah, we connected and had this conversation. It's awesome. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It was a good experience. Yeah, we'll do it again. We have lots to talk about. Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. If you have any questions, you can connect with me on Instagram at amykatebow. I also write a daily blog. You can sign up on my website, amykatebow.com. Thank you for making the space to listen today. Remember, take the long way home. Bye for now.